Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. The only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Be no encore. Welcome to episode 108 of the No Encore Music Podcast. Craig Fitzpatrick and Colin Morrigan. Hey, what's up? I mean, you're usually kind of ebullient with your intros, but that was definitely overjoyous and ebullient. I'm trying trying to hide how tired (laughs) tired I am. Uh, I I should explain the hangover. Uh, I I hosted a quiz last night. As you are wont to do. For friends only. And uh, Colin Morrigan was there. I was there. He came second in the quiz. Yeah. Did you get any any prizes for runners up? No, but any prizes at all? You don't Dave? want to. That's first loser, so you know there yeah. were prizes. Yeah, oh yeah, there shit, were. just no it's participation dead. trophies. Okay, like. yeah, it's not hastily, one of those quizzes. hastily assembled prizes. I noticed reprising <laughs> from, from, from <laughs> Dave giving away prizes that we had won at a previous quiz. Did you give away your you framed mean. picture of George Harrison again? No, that's uh, that's <laughs> like next door, it, isn't it? Like that, that's next door I to. I think he gave it to someone. No, it's in the studio. It's next door. Okay, like far away from where I can see it. Congratulations to Team Michael Pope of the Galaxy fame they won by 10 clear points well done. well done and commiserations to Zara Hedeman and Dave Higgins who came third yeah but lied about it in social media <laughs> as indeed did Dahi and Kristen Tierney again it's getting out of hand it's actually I don't know what to believe hand, I wasn't yeah. present I, I was ready to congratulate thing. Zara yeah yeah I stayed out of it today. I was tagged into like numerous things, and I was like, not responding to any of these, not Good. liking any of this, I'm not road. encouraging any of this. Uh, well done. Sort out amongst yourselves, lads. It's getting very heated out there. Lots of lots of fire commentary. Second victory for Michael Pope of the week in ways, I suppose, after the Galaxy launched their album last Friday. Of course, we had them on the show uh, on Thursday uh, last week, but 
Uh, Dave, you went to the album launch itself. I did, yeah. Uh, it was in a place, it was, in a, it was a secret gig on off Capel Street, in a place <laughs> called The Complex. That's where it took place. Uh, until it got shut down. Oh, by the popo. <laughs> like an hour in. 5-0. It's about an hour in, right? We're there. And like, okay, when I arrived at the at the venue and was greeted with a hug by Dahi, it was very... Was he doing that to everyone that arrived? <laughs> he was just on the door hugging people. <laughs> it was so hot, man. I was like, this is like a fucking sweat box. This is ridiculous. So, gig was fun. What's going on? I was enjoying it. And then all of a sudden, like, the house lights came on full whack. And I was like, well, this is a very bold aesthetic choice, isn't it? And then they kind of kept going. I figured maybe they're over time. But then they kept going again like, into another track. And I was like, what's going on? And next thing you know, I just saw, like, you know, random, like, kind of bibs, like, fire marshals appearing out of nowhere. And I was like, "Oh, oh, oh shit! Something's going down." Yeah. So uh, there was a bit of a bit of a kerfuffle, and the galaxy very quickly tried to usher everyone out of the out of the room like a Had bouncer. To individually skilled. <laughs> well, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. So I have was, right again. <laughs> oh, Dave! Very much like a bouncer. So I'm there, phone out because uh, it, it was bring your own beer. So I'd scold a few cans at this point, right? So I'm there, <laughs> scold a few cans, not enjoy there, it uh, responsibly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was working and I, I, I got off work and I like walked down the road yeah. sculling a can of beer to, to get in the mood which so, is illegal as well but <laughs> <laughs> come and get me please wrapped in a paper bag yeah, it wasn't actually no it was a like, full display I'm trying to save you Dave and that's okay I'll, I'll take what's coming I'll, I'll take the heat unlike the complex you're just asking for a raid unlike the you? complex which couldn't take the heat that night because it was so hot that it triggered the fire alarm <laughs> so I'm there trying to compose a tweet of course and uh Dave Legalaxy goes, People, seriously, please put down your phones. Dave Hanready, I'm talking to you. Brilliant. <laughs> Exceptional stuff. Yeah. So was it completely, was that show done and dusted, yeah? That was it. Uh, how did the band feel? Because we've been at a gig before that was shut down overhead the Albatross and they were devastated. They weren't they happy. Yeah. They, weren't happy. No, they, they weren't happy because like, they had about four or five songs to go. So they were building to the big finish. Much like overhead the Albatross where yeah. they the workmen's when the power went. And afterwards, yeah, they, they looked a bit shell-shocked, and I mean, then they went and they DJed elsewhere, so I went to that and had a bit of a bop. Someone asked me, could they take a drink of my drink? And I was like, no, mate, it's 11 euro, fuck off. <laughs> um, so yeah, I... Uh, and we're not six. I was asked to take down a tweet that I put oh, out about oh, thing. Oh, brilliant. So I did that. What was it? <laughs> oh, I just said, like, uh, it's not a, like it's not a great secret gig unless hilariously aggro security shuts it down, is it? And then somebody asked me, uh, would you mind getting rid of that tweet? And I was oh, like... Dear. Fine, it's gone. So, yeah. Uh, good night, though. I, good night, had by all. Good. Great. If Glad only somebody was there to tell Ollie Murs to start uh, whoa, 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 whoa. Are we not, not controlling about, his social media. We're not talking about WrestleMania. Are we going to have a wrestling segment? When were you saving it for? <laughs> yeah. Middle of the album review. <laughs> yeah, our special WrestleMania <laughs> slot right there. Like, okay, yeah, you yeah. tell you what, you just surprised me later on. Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay, wrestling fans, don't worry, it's coming. <laughs> it's coming. Um, but yeah, Ollie Murs has been talking about his infamous tweet where um, he basically told uh, his many, many followers, his frankly, like, unreasonable amount of followers, I think it's fair to say, that there was a shooting at Oxford Circus um, when he was in Selfridges. Of course, there wasn't. Yeah, he was immediately scolded by Piers Morgan online at the time, <laughs> just saying, stop saying these things, Ollie, nothing is happening. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he's been talking about the incident to The Sun, 
um, or the scum as I call them. Hot take. (laughs) (laughs) He says, I ran into an office after being told by the staff of Selfridges that someone was there with a gun. Whether they were shooting into the air or whatever, something happened that day. Whether it was covered up, I don't know. Yeah, he thinks there's a conspiracy theory behind it. really does, yeah. He also also thinks that he deserves a bit of credit here because, as he says, if I'd done it and someone had been shooting, you'd all be sitting here now going, you know what, Ollie? You've done well. What a fucking idiot. Uh, <laughs> Info Murrors, as I've christened him now. Yeah. I yeah. feel it's, like, because it's Ollie <laughs> Murrors, he's probably not, you know, the X-Factor dude that has the, you know, gravitas to convey that kind of info and get taken seriously for it. Like I feel Dermot like his cheeky, O'Leary. chappy, yeah, personality is going against him in terms of the conspiracy talk. What, like Caroline Flack would hold more weight? Yeah, or like, you know, Steve Brookstein, someone like that. Well, I mean, like, Ollie Murr's, like, <laughs> fucked up trying to deliver the results of the X Factor. So why anybody thinks he's an authority on national security, you know? I'm surprised the guy can fucking tie his own shoes. I mean, <laughs> so essentially, yeah, he's a bit of an idiot. And uh, I should point out at this point, by the way, if there's any conspiracy theorists listening, uh, if you are currently hearing any audio oh, yeah. from a well-known betting company, uh, it's because we have some weird interference that is not of our doing. So we're going to do our best for it to be removed in post, if it's there at all. We don't know. It's quite frankly. We might leave it in if it sounds really, really awesome. There's, Probably some, like there's some good horse races in particular. <laughs> yeah, like. I don't know. Yeah, there's some ghosts in the machine today, so we're doing our best. And that is true, unlike the gunfire that Ollie has heard in Selfridges <laughs> yeah, when he was doing his Christmas shopping. Paddy Power are coming through the electricity I in the room. I don't want to name them. I don't want to name drop them. I oh, sorry, yeah. We can beat that out. We'll beat they don't that advertise out. themselves at all. <laughs> hey, if you want to advertise with the show, we'll consider it, but probably not, because I don't want don't really like you, Ollie Murs. Yeah, I mean, like I used to say that Ollie Murs is harmless, but this is actually stretching to a it's point where distinctly harmful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, but he has the air of a man that it doesn't want to really get into conspiracy, but he's just like, come on, someone believe me, it happened, and he feels a bit foolish, and he's just continuing on with it. I don't think there's anything too sinister there. Yeah, um, it's just just a simple case of social media regret, really. Yeah, we've uh, all had that, <laughs> particularly me. This Some week. more than others. Yeah. yeah. Uh, also happening in the world of regret, I wonder. Lindsay Buckingham has it can go his own way, guys. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> it was no info murs, but <laughs> Fleetwood Mac have fired Lindsay Buckingham after disagreement over the band's upcoming tour. Uh, now, some people are like, "Why is this even news in 2018?" Uh, well, fair point, but I mean, Fleetwood Mac are still a going concern. That's yeah, and yeah. he's yeah. quite a big part of it, and they're still was, great. Rather. Um, yeah, although to be perfectly honest, I mean, like I would say, you know. Why is this such a big news story? Because you are just like, no, surely not. Unrest in Fleetwood Mac. I know, yeah. <laughs> the it's Holland, the, most- the Netherlands football team of, of music. Yeah, yeah, to be fair, I, like, yeah. I was shocked when they actually managed to get the band together for that reunion tour in the first place. Yeah, like what? And it's lasted this long. Is it still just kind of we're on the reunion, you know, nostalgia cycle? Or is there talk of like albums or further material? I think there's been talk, yeah, although frankly, I don't know whether it's going to actually happen well speaking, yeah. of, speaking of tweets that were also deleted uh, <laughs> former Fleetwood Mac guitarist Billy Burnett uh, on the 4th of April tweeted out breaking news Lindsay Buckingham is out but I'm not in <laughs> and then presumably got like a uh, maybe like Stevie Nicks slid into his DMs and was like would you mind taking that down uh, also I love I love I love the, the bitterness of that tweet though he's out and I'm not in yeah, like, no, yeah. <laughs> instead they've brought in uh, Mike Campbell of the Heartbreakers and Neil Finn of Crowded House yeah I'd say they're all kind of well not those two that I'm talking about but all of Fleetwood Mac are insufferable in their own way but <laughs> Lindsay Buckingham in particular that's a man that is very much in love with himself well he he filled in with Nine Inch Nails there a while ago and it went to did a really well. good job yeah okay. so uh, he was like on their last album and toured with them a little bit I think 
So I'm wondering if he's if, if it's going to be like a transfer across to the Nine Inch Nails <laughs> football team. <laughs> he's a very talented dude. Um, having seen them a couple of years ago in, well, more than that, in Tree Arena now, uh, like they were really good, but it was very much we're going, you know, just through the motions a bit. It's sure. professional. We're not really making eye contact with each other. Um, yeah, I don't know if it's the saddest news ever. They'll get, they'll get by. They'll be grand. They'll be fine, yeah. It does come after uh, McFleetwood had been suggesting there'd be an entire kind of Stevie and Lindsay Buckingham Knicks um, kind of song and indeed like part of the set. Right. That won't happen now, will it? <laughs> if you're holding your breath, apologies. In other news, metal fans, uh, which I kind of am, I yes. guess, here and there, yeah. uh, continue We're to be... We're black. Like, yeah, I do. And I like Slipknot and that kind of stuff. We're so. all a bit metal, aren't we? No. It's <laughs> the most metal podcast out <laughs> on, there. On the inside. On the inside. Well, metal fans uh, and me continue to be misunderstood. Hilarious, right. hilarious story here. Sorry. Uh, in Scotland, right? Uh, emergency services mentioned a full-scale rescue operation, including fire engines, ambulances, and lifeboats, after a passerby thought a group of heavy metal fans out camping were involved in a suicide pact. <laughs> <laughs> The three men were enjoying beers around a campfire on an island in Loch Levin, Perthshire, on Sunday as their children slept in a tent when they saw the lights from police boats rushing across the water towards them. For some reason, the police had received a tip that we might be in grave danger and they came to rescue us, said Panagiotis Phyllis, 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 a lecturer at Aberdeen University and a founder of the Black Metal Brewery. They really did a great job of rescuing us. The only issue is that we didn't need rescuing. <laughs> I know, yeah. So we have this college lecturer, um, his mate, who's a modern languages teacher and a member of a heavy metal band called Nightopia. Yeah. They actually described themselves as dark folk. Just to put that proviso in. Yeah, right? and, yeah and, sorry, the third dark folk uh, was um, Ross Anderson, a civil engineer. Yeah, he says the amount of resources they threw at it was just ridiculous. When we got onto dry land, there was a police officer there. He cuts all over his hand from breaking both the windows on my car. Yeah, they broke the windows of his car searching for a suicide note. And there was about 20 emergency service vehicles of 50 people. Uh, yeah, David Henderson, the modern language teacher, said, They kind of made us feel as if we did something wrong, but we decided to go wild camping, drink beer, and listen to heavy metal music. <laughs> yeah. and, and then insult to injury, they all had to sleep in their cars because they drank too much to drive home. <laughs> the photograph, by the way, of them uh, in their metal garb and their makeup and stuff is hilarious. It, uh, do they go all out like, yeah? The kids are dressed up as if they're going to a fucking Cradle of Filth okay. gig. Like. That was literally all that the police were going on. They're dressed up as mm-hmm. in black and blah, yeah. blah, blah, and that's why. It's like a much more wholesome version of the West Memphis 3 case, basically. <laughs> but surely it's well established at this point that the heavy metal community are essentially like nicer than hippie folk. They're like, do you know what I mean? You, they seem yeah. like the most considered are, are you gonna go, nice. Uh, you're going to have a go at Psytrans again, are you? <laughs> sure, yeah. I don't know. I just It seems like a, a lovely group of people, and I, th- I thought we were past all of this nonsense. There's also a dog there called Jazz, which has yeah, to, true. Yeah. I mean, like, what, like, Jazz? Really? <laughs> yeah, maybe one of the kids named it. I, I don't know, mate. I, I guess yeah. metal is uh, complex enough. So, <laughs> but this is a classic case, though, of like you know, like a lot of like judging a book by its cover. You know, like I love that these guys have like these great jobs, like civil yeah. engineer, model language teacher, lecturer at a university. It's great. It also kind of screams of the Scottish police being like, we've got absolutely nothing to do. Oh it's, shit, we've what something's going down. There's, yeah, it's true. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of people sitting around like Loch Lomond or whatever it was, <laughs> just waiting for the call. Yeah. <laughs> Um, speaking of terrible, terrible names, U2's The Claw, which was um, the claw. The claw, which was a massive feature of their 360 uh, tour. Um, basically, it's going on display. Um, now, one of those, actually, one of the cl- those claws, apparently they made loads of them, um, will be on display at Draper, Utah's Loveland Living Planet Aquarium 
On acquiring the 190-ton structure, uh, the founder and marine biologist Brent Anderson said, We are excited to bring this iconic monument to its permanent home in Utah. This landmark will shine a light on our mission to inspire people to explore, discover, and learn about Earth's diverse ecosystems. Yeah, um, well, first of all, fair play going from lead singer Suede to the marine biologist and CEO <laughs> of Utah Aquarium. Um, <laughs> Don't judge a book by that cover. <laughs> but uh, also, yeah, like Utah, where presumably it'll slot somewhere in between like the Osmonds family home and like the yeah. Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in terms of things to see in Utah. There was talk a couple of years ago, I think from the band themselves, that they'd really like it homed along with a lot of their memorabilia. I'm guessing they still have the lemon knocking around somewhere. Sure. Just like in Dublin and make it a whole thing. And it just never happened. Which right. seems like a missed opportunity for the Dublin, The timing right? of this is quite fortuitous for me because the other night while watching WrestleMania, and maybe this can be the WrestleMania segment. Yeah, now, let's do it. Uh, I noted, I was like, what do they do with these like bespoke, uh, very unique video walls that they've made like in the shape of like a flurry because yeah. they're in New Orleans. I was like, what do they do with these things? And you were like, I don't know. <laughs> and then, but there we go. Life goes on. Life <laughs> finds a way for, the, for these insane structures that seem to only have one purpose. Uh, yeah, we did watch WrestleMania. Seven hours. Seven <laughs> hours. Oh my God. I went to work the next day. I did not. Seven hours. Oh. And it was like... Do you have any questions? I feel like this might work better if Craig takes the role of the <laughs> FAQ. Okay, how's the Undertaker looking these Not days? Not good. <laughs> Not good. He didn't. He didn't do a lot. Right. He was can't that, do a lot. Is, it, is, is, is that his kind of big? That's him bowing out now. He won. He's like saying no, off but no, the, because he's wrestling in Saudi Arabia in a fortnight's time. <laughs> Jesus so, Christ! Yeah, that makeup will be running under those Saudi lights. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell! Yeah, it's going to ruin his gimmick. He's going to come back with a tan. Uh, yeah. What's his iteration now? Is he just straight? up classic taker or is there still a yeah, bit of no, a, a yeah, whiff of the American badass no, 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 no. there's a whiff taker, of the yeah. sad old man who's broken down and can't walk properly about him <laughs> uh, he's yeah. also not as old as you think he is he's like in his early 50s I think oh yeah, really but I mean like Frank, he looks about 75 well it's a business that's going to age you isn't it but he's had a lot of time off yeah. I wish they would just leave him alone. You're just like, let him enjoy the rest of his life. For Christ's sake, he can't do anything. I don't think he's necessarily there against his will. Yeah, like, I'm sorry to loop. Ronda Rousey, is she a feature? Yeah, she she had her debut match, uh, and I'm sure the match itself was very, very choreographed in advance, but nonetheless, it was an excellent match. The best match on the card, I thought. Okay. And she looked like a natural, and the crowd loved her. She even, she even made a third face at one stage, <laughs> which, which is good, because, you know, Ronda's only got two faces. She yeah. does a smile, and there's, you know, the Ronda face. I was going to say, what's her, like, patter like? Having seen some of her interviews uh, recently, yeah, so, 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 some of it leaves a little she's to not be a natural. Like she's not the best on the mic, but yeah. there was, but she was good when she was kind of in amongst it because there was a part where, like you know, Triple H was outside the ring, jawing at her, and then she was like, "I'm just going to go back to beating up your wife now." Yeah, and then at the end, there was a really good bit where, like you know, like the very end of the, like where she gets Stephanie in the armbar, and like it's finally time for the for good to triumph over evil, and Stephanie does the classic heel bully thing of, of, of "Oh fuck, it's time to apologize now." Trying to get out, and she was like, "I'm sorry, I'm so sorry," and Ronda's like, "Too late," oh. and it's. Good. It was good theatre. Like it was yeah. done very well. Also, just quick note that uh, Kid Rock entered the WWE Hall of Fame. He did over WrestleMania weekend. What? Yeah, <laughs> I watched the four and a half hour Hall of Fame ceremony. Why would you do this? <laughs> I had it on my laptop while I was playing Wolfenstein. But didn't you also watch that immediately before the three hours of NXT? Yeah, I fell asleep in the main event of NXT, which is really upsetting because it was a great card. NXT was awesome. Is Kid Rock getting into the Hall of Fame? Pretty much the you know Celebrity logical st- like Celebrity the next logical wing. step is him getting into like Congress. <laughs> That's one of. <laughs> He did say, like as part of his speech, which was actually surprisingly all right. Uh, he said, um, 
he goes, oh, I was told don't talk about politics, you know. And he goes, although, you know, being out here WrestleMania weekend, I'm itching to body slam some Democrats. And, oh. like, AJ Styles, like, guffawed laughing. It was like, <laughs> Jesus Christ, AJ. Like, not a good look for you, mate. And then he was like, oh, I'm just playing, you know, like, I've got fans from all all sides of life. I so. don't think you do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so, I, I don't know. I mean, like, it was, WrestleMania was what it always was. It was yeah. fun. And then you hit a wall. Yeah, the, tell me about the wall. The tell wall me about the highs and lows at one point, within the house. <laughs> that's the wall, brother. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> wall! Hey, wall! It's, oh, man. Uh, everyone listen to me right now. Just go to, go to YouTube and type in Hulk Hogan WCW The Wall yeah. and watch that segment. Yeah, it's yeah. fucking, it's it's fucking absurd. <laughs> Actually, you know what? Hang on. Let's, let's play a bit of it now. That's on top of the, of the hotel. That's about 15 stories in the air. Look at that. That's the wall. Maybe the wall will choke Slam Hogan from the, the top wall, of the brother. hotel. Hey, wall, if you want some, come get some. That's the wall up there, brother. No, no, you go up there. Become an impact player, Hogan. Look at that hand in the air. That means choke Slam. Could he mean he wants to choke Slam him off with a shotgun? What in the world? You know something, brother? I'm going to put another 500 grand on top of that. Get your butt down here, wall, because I'll kick. Like what you're not going to pick up from that clip is that he's on the top of like a 20 story building that's like a clear <laughs> couple of hundred yards around. And Hogan, can, no and Hogan can, can, can pinpoint, identify who it is uh, with the horrendous guitar music as well. That's the wall, brother. Hey, wall. <laughs> it's so stupid. It's, it's amazing. But that's wrestling for you. Uh, the wall that we hit, though, came at around, I want to say, four in the morning. A uh, bit half three. Yeah, half three, yeah. There was one point when I looked over at the couch and both Yosef and Keely were asleep. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I just kind of kept shoveling food over to try to keep people away. Uh, tremendous host, by the way. Uh, yeah, yeah I can imagine. And also, sorry, uh, shout out to, to Nina, who <laughs> pre- who got all the predictions, like, more than we did. Yeah. Because we had a prediction game beforehand where like, the loser has to buy lunch for everybody. Mm. Cullum lost. I lost. Yeah. Looking oh, forward man. to that lunch. But uh, I'm going to wave the lunch because the hosting was so good. Oh, thanks very much. Uh, WrestleMania was fun. It was just way too fucking long. Yeah. Way too fucking long. Wrestling Corner will be back in two weeks' time for the greatest <laughs> Royal Rumble yeah, ever. We'll, we'll bring Yay. you all of the info a week later. <laughs> yeah, before we get... Uh, to the main event tonight, uh, which is uh, our listening guide and indeed the new record for Manic Street Preachers. A little update from Craig about uh, his impulse buy on Black Friday. <laughs> the endless wait is over. <laughs> Frank Ocean is now delivering. No, the wait is not over. <laughs> not personally. International orders have not probably, probably not shipped. Um, so, Dave, you alerted to me, me to the fact that uh, news had broke online that <laughs> physical editions of Endless on CD, VHS, VHS, guys, on vinyl, um, no were arriving. No, no cassette, um, no Betamax, nothing like that. But fans in the now. US are starting to get them. And, of course, I immediately rushed over, as I always do, to KanyeTither.com, <laughs> <laughs> the hip-hop form of choice for Craigie. And, uh, yeah, there was much jubilation as people were like, oh, shit, just arrived. And then about, like, two hours later, people just being like, like, first of all, overjoyed that it was, like, the proper, you know, full quality mastered without the reverb of it being played in the room, you know, like a yeah. r- recording we've all heard. And then two hours later, people just being like, kind of prefer the other version. <laughs> 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 so I'm still waiting to hear it. I'm guessing because it's Ireland. Can I ask, what's, like, your you, what's your username on Kanye? He won't tell you. I won't tell he you. Won't, I, 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 he never told me his drown sound when I had to get that sure. through, through sheer detective work. I know that Did too, you yeah. do the detective work or did Harry? Harry gave me Which is terrifying, really. 
Harry just there. knew for some reason. He was like, well, he did a search of I assume just it's like guided topics. by voices. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it is. It is, isn't it? Yeah, he just did a yeah. search of like topics that he thinks I would incessantly talk about <laughs> and found me. Yeah, so yeah. bravo to him. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Alrighty, like I said, um, yeah, main event today is a Manic Street Preachers. And yes. uh, I suppose, yeah, we'll start with a bit of a retrospective. Craig uh, going to lead us through a little bit of a listening guide. Yeah, probably one of the bands I talked about too much on Drown and Sound. Um, and this song in particular now there was a bit of debate online when you kind of raised Dave <laughs> I threw you all yeah. hell I threw you right into that bus yeah yeah and yeah. um, we are having a conversation in our WhatsApp group but Dave was like uh, well, I've sent over the list and I said it'll probably rile people up because it doesn't contain a certain song <laughs> and Dave very innocently was just like oh yeah what, what song was that that people would be expecting <laughs> um, smash cut to just people being like what what is going on yeah um, you left out motorcycle emptiness I left out motorcycle um, emptiness a lot of people on Twitter res- responded to my tweet with what the fuck yeah do you want to yeah. explain to all of them who are now listening yeah now so this isn't because we weren't all voting together it's not your kind of top 10 countdown it's not definitive in that regard. It's more of a chronological kind of um, li- listening guide, as yeah. the name would suggest. And I had to kind of be fair to every different era. I wanted to kind of give an, a broad overview. And also the fact that a couple of songs are just so overplayed that it's like, listen, you know this already. It's yeah. a classic. I'm not going to touch on it. So It should also be said that Motorcycle Emptiness has always been a little strange for me for the past two, three years, where uh, shortly before the last general election, I had to interview Owen Murphy, current Minister for for housing, I think. Yeah. Uh, who told me, yeah, that he listened to Motorcycle Emptiness a lot while writing the banking inquiry report. <laughs> and I was just like, you do realise that the Mannix would despise you listening to them while you wrote a banking inquiry report and he's like yeah I know yeah shit Um, so we'll start with their kind of they're obviously a very kind of politicised band we'll start with something that was a bit of a manifesto early doors for them Um, this is the amazing Motown Junk Yeah, um, not quite their first single. Their first single for Heavenly, I think. And as a statement of intent, it's pretty ferocious. I mean, they came straight out of the traps from um, the Valleys, small town the in Valleys. South Wales. Um, essentially trying to be, I mean, it opens with a sample, um, just revolution, revolution, revolution from Public Enemy. And they were very much trying to meld Chuck D with Guns N' Roses <laughs> riffs and kind of coming out with a, like, early 90s clash I mean I'm trying to do my mental maths here like they've grown up during the miners strike Um, they were very much I mean Thatcher is a huge reference point for Nicky Wire and was for Richie Edwards as well so yeah everything from that awful 80s period and the stuff the working class in Britain went through is um, it's brought up time and time again it's brought up like at the moment on the Guardian interview with Alexis Petretis where like the headline is a little bit misleading because it's kind of like it paints them as being yeah so bad who was trying to hop on that yeah it paints them as being anti-Jeremy Corbyn and in the article they're like we're actually coming around to Corbyn quite a bit however they reckon that he doesn't he's not in touch with the 
common man, particularly in Wales. And of course, some people are like, well, why the fuck should he be? But I think if he wants to be the fucking Prime Minister of Britain, well, he should be. But so they're, yeah, they haven't lost that at all. They're still yeah. very concerned about, you know, minors and like people who have blue collar jobs and that kind of stuff. So. Yeah, I mean, they've, you know, huge personality as a band. Nicky Wire in particular um, uses his voice very well. I think I'm a big fan. Um, and yeah, straight out of the traps, they're trying to make a statement. Um, and, you know, it's they're hit and miss sometimes in those early days. There's a line in this song, I laughed when Lennon got shot, about John Lennon. Them just trying to be provocateurs. Um, James Dean Bradfield refuses to sing it now. They play this song every show because it's so important to them, but just James Dean Bradfield won't play it. But that aside, it's more or less the perfect kind of song to my ears. Um, Generation Terrorists, their first album... They said as it was being released, they were just going to sell like a million copies, uh, play Wembley Stadium, and then just break up. It was going to be their only release. 18 tracks, 70 minutes. Dave would love it. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of problems with it. I'm glad they didn't break up uh, around about then. Of course, Motorcycle Emptiness was, um, I guess, their most sophisticated piece at that point. Everyone knows it very much based around that kind of iconic um, guitar line. Um, and you can go and listen to that in your own time. We know it. It's great. Um, there's lots of other kind of highlights from there. But yeah, I was an opening salvo. Terrific. So let's move on to album number two, because we only got ten tracks. Here's La Tristesse Jurera. Yeah, subtitled Scream to a Sigh, um, a line from Vincent van Gogh, I mm-hmm. believe, yeah. um, which is, yeah, the sadness continues. Um, this is an example of them kind of bringing in everything they'd read about art, culture, philosophy, and kind of, you know, giving that to their very young audience. Nicky Warr said kind of brilliantly... Um, one time like the band was about giving clues um, on how to have a more rewarding life through art which is a really kind of nice way of approaching being in a, a rock band when you're in your like late teens early 20s it's right? It's true yeah <laughs> um, I, I, I think it might be on the Guardian article or elsewhere but recently I was reading about yeah when the NME sent them a really simple sort of Q&A section that they used to have in the magazine and what they got back was all these like quotes from like Baudelaire yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> and, and like, yeah it's yeah, brilliant like yeah just kind of like you know 1700s philosophy and so on like they weren't your average band no I guess. let's put it that way and this was album number two Gold Against the Soul which has a bit more kind of sheen to it um, than the slightly ramshackle but glorious debut um, but I think this is a great example of them getting a bit more sophisticated it's kind of it's a great exercise in restraint um, because heavens knows like a lot of these other tracks won't be <laughs> like it'll get loud as feck just, uh, <laughs> just a note uh, I've been scrolling through the comments on that Guardian article for ages trying to find one comment that made me burst out laughing today because right. you know below the line comments as we all know are like just the worst thing no matter what the site is and they tend to reflect the readership uh, the Guardian comments like when people kind of kick off in the Guardian comments it, it's uh, it's funnier to me than like right. your average Facebook or YouTube thing because it's the Guardian reader it's kind of like a man in a suit running for a bus <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah it's just comical so uh, apropos of nothing one of the responses is I didn't tolerate them and my children where will not be next <laughs> under no circumstances <laughs> 
Resistance isn't futile. Fuck them. <laughs> That was from Tic Tac uh, Tic Tac Toe, I think was the name. <laughs> they would love that. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah so uh, lyrically, uh, this song is about a war veteran who is completely disenchanted with life and is sick of being used as a kind of symbol of like nationalism, pa- patriotism, and being rolled out as a kind of hip, you know, um, kind of commodity or just fashion statement. Um, so nice lyric writing. Speaking of which, let's move on to. Maybe the best thing they've ever done. Surely. Um, surely the Holy Bible. That was the opener. That was yes, um, pretty ferocious from the get go, uh, but also just like loaded with hook upon hook upon hook. Um, yeah, for my money, I mean, one of the best albums of the nineties. Uh, it's one of my favorite records. This is really like the blossoming of Richie Edwards, um, who's the lyrical partner of Nicky Wire um, until his uh, kind of mysterious and deeply sad disappearance um, a year after this was released. But he's just, uh, I guess, such a fearless writer. Mm-hmm. He had a lot to say. God bless James D- Dean Bradfield for somehow conjuring up these incredible melodies around these very like tightly compacted uh, literate tongue twisters it's it's crazy it's, it's kind of one of the secrets of their success though isn't it yeah. in in that they split those duties so that you could have like you know these like bangers like these, these like hook filled records yeah. but then have that sort of lyrical complexity like the two shouldn't necessarily go together well yeah but they do. Yeah, I mean, this is... Uh, I mean, this is verging on the anthemic. It's like a blueprint for songs they would do later that would, you know, like the likes of Australia, that would be the team music to Renford Rejects yeah. and a bit more mellow. But this is about the purgatory that is prostitution. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's quite the combination. Still on the same record? Yeah, let's stick with it. Uh, this is my personal favourite. She is suffering and it's just humongous. Uh, that chorus is tremendous. The guitar playing really shines on this record. It's kind of like arachnids crawling over you. Uh, it's really well treated. James Dean Bradfield's vocals are amazing and he's been a real kind of secret weapon for them all throughout. Like, you know, a lot of this stuff could put people off. Um, it's very didactic at times it's very sloganeering but he has real kind of you know a big humanity he feels like the everyman and he kind of sings it with such sincerity that like you're immediately on board and this is almost a ballad to um i think it's about lust and the sins of the flesh and all that kind of stuff but i just think it's an absolute jam no it's a quality tune yeah yeah. 
so we we have ten songs. Let's go for a third from the Holy Bible. <laughs> I mean, you laugh. I can't blame you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think this was a reaction to the first greatest hits, um, or best of, um, more kind of um, accurately, only having one song from the Holy Bible on it, which I can see why they're doing it, but you have to have a bit of rep from it. So this is Faster, um, and it's probably their greatest song. It's excellent. It's tremendous. It's fantastic. I love it. It's bludgeoning. It's ferocious. It's... um, it's that well going back to them like you know very much speaking about their working class roots and being you know put down on by society and um the infrastructures that are in place that kind of restrain people i mean they would do that kind of subject matter with a lot more grace um in you know the years after but this is pure bile and it's you know it's kind of like working class um self-confidence verging on psychosis i guess and there's some incredible one-liners in this along to a massive tune they performed it i think on top of the pops um wearing balaclavas and people were just like what do they support the ira in the <laughs> mid 90s um i think they nicky war talks Throw about back there to the days when we were the premier terrorist organization in the yeah world. yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that's, that's, that's your leave it by the ira that's your leave it is the best yeah when he's like he goes uh he goes like you know he's like these new terrorists like it'd make you long for the days of the gentleman terrorists of the IRA <laughs> and then he'd be like he'd be like they let you know they let you know they give you plenty of time to, to, to get out and like yeah. and he's like we'll never see their like again <laughs> and then like people, people like walking out like it's fucking incredible reminds me of the first time I was on the tube in London and I just like I, I don't know I just finished like a can of coke or a chocolate bar or something I turned to the person I was with and I was like do they have any bins here and he was like no I was like why I was like <laughs> the IRA you love it, putting <laughs> bombs in them. <laughs> Incredible. Got you there, in fairness. Yeah, yeah. Um, but back to the Manic Street region. <laughs> uh, yeah, like that Top of the Pops appearance, I believe also on the show, was um, Blur doing Girls of Boys. And Nicky War was just like, we've never felt more alone as a band. <laughs> it's like, what are we doing with this insanity? Uh, but yeah, just a tremendous moment, the likes of which don't happen too often. Yeah. The Holy Bible, what, what more can I say about it? Go check it out. It's all fantastic. A tough listen at times, but um, yeah, worth checking out. We shall move on. I wish I had a bottle Right here in my dead face To wear the scars To show Yeah, so um, this is their biggest hit so far at this point in their career, and it comes after 
lot of soul searching following the disappearance of Richie Edwards. Um, you would think it would because he was so influential on the last record, and because he was obviously more importantly such a, a, a good mate of the guys. It could have kind of um, sunk them as a band. So they continued on. They got even bigger, and they returned with "Everything Must Go," which was. A lot more poppy, uh, dialed down the kind of uh, guitar histrionics and the more industrial sounds. And Nicky Wire was kind of chiefly, obviously, fulfilling lyric duties. And this, yeah, a design for life went to number two. That opening line, libraries gave us power, then where came and made us free. Uh, it's somewhere between, I think, common people and maybe bittersweet symphony. Sure. <laughs> and it's like that kind of trio of songs in the 90s that talk a lot about the working class situation totally anthemic and just you don't really get songs like this anymore no you don't making it you know Was making a big break Doc Strikes brought yeah. this on I think if I remember but uh yeah it's fantastic and and again I mean as we mentioned before it, it, it's just the ability to kind of combine you know that weighty lyric matter with music that really just elevates it and carries it and I've always thought like the string arrangements and stuff like that on this track just really bring it somewhere special. It's an instant classic as well. It's it, it has. Uh, you're definitely right in terms of it having an of its time feeling. Sure, it's very eurocentric, but it's it's genuinely iconic. And I know that word is overused these days, but it really is. Like it, it's it's its own thing. It's a singular entity, and it's a spectacular piece of work. Yeah, and it's the one selection from Everything Must Go. Uh, I was toying with maybe a Kevin Carter or like mm. could, could have been any number of songs, but I thought, okay, no. I was in, at risk of like having a period of about eight years where I didn't have one song. So let's go with Turn of the Century. We're into 2000s. Their second number one. Yes, I'm skipping over if you tolerate this. <laughs> <laughs> because you all know it, right? Because he will not tolerate this. His children will not be next. Resistance is not futile. Fuck, Fuck them. <laughs> and this is Masses Against the Classes. If I may say, the first Manix album I ever heard was This Is My Truth, Tell Me Yours. Yeah. And a friend of mine bought it. And I remember thinking that the cover was ridiculous. They're on a beach in white, it's, yeah, in white suits. It's quite like derided by fans of the band. Uh, it's not a great some, album. There's some, there's some great songs you on it. You stole the song from Heart as a tune. It is a tune. The <laughs> Although, band themselves dislike it immensely. Yeah. Yeah. Although, I mean, like, uh, I, Mick Galaxy hates the Mannix, right? Right. And his contention is that all James Dean Bradfield does is, like, <laughs> sing the title of the song in a really anthemic way. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, it's very applicable. Yeah, I, yeah, I guess it's... Yeah, no, that's that's a shout. Um, in terms of this selection, I mean, it om- it opens with a Noam Chom- Chomsky kind yeah. of quote. It went to number one in the UK. It's who did it knock off the top of the charts after seven weeks? Do I, you know I looked this up and made it even better. Westlife. The cover of Seasons in the Sun. Yeah. So it has to be on the list for that <laughs> alone, doesn't it? Like, if you tolerate this, didn't do that. Wasn't this single only out for a day? Or something ridiculous it was a very, like that. It was like a, a January kind of release. Was it, it was, it was a very tied short... into like Cuba stuff as well? Yeah, but like... they, 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 they deleted it, it was from a standalone. After... Uh, it popped up on then the next record, uh, Know Your Enemy, like different versions of it. Um, 
and it was very much like it's uh, for me it feels like a kindred spirit with an early song uh you love us which was just like it's actually not too political a song it's it's about them as a band it references kind of a lot of their early career and it's them being like yeah we can still do the hard stuff after people were a bit like Ugh, i really like it i think yeah. it actually is a good marriage of their driving nature with their commercial stuff yeah like, like i think it totally works for what it is it's a great single and like it's not a classic song, but it's it a belter. Of, and like I was surprised when he put it in the list, and I was like, "Oh, actually, I actually haven't heard that song in a while." And I threw it on, and I was like, "Yeah, this is a fucking belter." Yeah, yeah I think for its place in their kind of history, it, it was a good representation of what they were doing around about that time. Um, they would then move on to do <laughs> Lifeblood, which didn't make the cut. Um, mm. But if you actually go back to it now, it's like a lot of electro pop stuff, um, very stately. There's some great songs on it. Maybe a bit ahead of its time because it's the kind of stuff that like other bands were lauded for doing maybe you know five ten years later but right. it just was it was seen as like oh this is this doesn't have that many guitars on it it's got a song that says richard nixon was kind of all right uh, and it's actually quite great but we'll move on to another uh number two uh, this, it didn't make it to number one this is your love alone is not enough I struggle with this song, I must say. There's just something very kitsch about it. I fucking love it. Yeah, you do, don't you? Because it's knowing and it's they were clearly going for that. It was a huge comeback in terms of, I mean, their commercial appeal. It felt like a real kind of a victory for them. Um, again, it's very self-referential. And I think what it does it for me and the kind of way, like, I lends some heft to it is that it is about Richie. There's some, like, there's references there to previous songs. Um, there's Nicky Wire popping up on one of their songs which he's wanted to do more and more in recent years which we might talk about later Um, but he just gets one line in this which works really well um, which is a kind of shout out to his his mate uh, which is very affecting Nina Pearson from the Cardigans it's great on this I I love an old fashioned duet it's it's fun you see I especially love because of James G. Bradfield's upper register it gets a little bit like Annie get your gun you know sort of anything you can do I can do better where they're like climbing the scales together and you're like oh he's going to try to outsing her here I love he? the bombast of it I love the video for I think like if they had got the nod to do like a Bond tune this would probably be it you know with yeah. a bit of working um, and for Sending what it represents literal tigers <laughs> yeah yeah nothing wrong with that from that album Send Away to Tigers it just felt like okay the Manics are back what's and the sorry what's the Nicky Wireline a bit Richie um, ba- I could have written all your lines uh, it's basically the line your love alone is not enough is basically um, uh, essentially about kind of suicide and um, despite kind of those around you wanting you to stick around and not being able to and it's him basically <clears throat> calling out to his mate saying we maybe could have sorted this it's you know filled with regret um, and it's just a lovely moment I think and it's kind of I think his kind of his weak voice actually works in this and it's just it's quite touching I think we shall move on to um, an even bigger tribute it wasn't so much a tribute as just getting Richie back involved with the creative process again um, this is Peeled Apples
Yeah, and that's from Journal for Plague Lovers, which came out in 2009 and was created using exclusively uh, lyrics from the book that Richie had given um, his bandmates, or maybe just, I think he just sent it to Nicky quite shortly before he disappeared. Um, they got Steve Albini in. Basically, they'd always kind of harbored, you know, ambitions to do their own in utero, um, which at the time seemed like a, a real kind of. Um, a kindred spirit to use that term again with the holy bible so immediate echoes to that and against all odds this is an absolutely incredible album it's fantastic it totally captures where we're at as kind of young hungry um angry men in their 20s in their 40s um i'm not sure how they pulled it off but yeah like terrific song after terrific song and this is just bludgeoning it's you think it's arguably underrated don't you it is because i think the band themselves had made a conscious decision they didn't release singles proper from it um, they don't talk too much about it they didn't perform too much of it live and I'm guessing it was just kind of fulfilling this thing you know um, completing a circle with the work they had from Richie it was almost done as like a favour to him but they put their heart and soul into it and it, it kind of it ignited something in the band that had been latent since the Everything Must Go period um, which they under- you know they understandably had to move on that they were able to slip back into that mould so effortlessly and it didn't feel like trying to relive past glories because they had this fresh material that hadn't been used before um, it's just fucking great uh, yeah and I could have picked any number of songs from this Peel Apple's got the nod me and Stephen Hawking is brilliant some incredible lyrics throughout and definitely worth checking out if you like the harder stuff that we're playing here if you like the Holy Bible this is a great great companion piece so next up um, their last album uh, which was a totally different direction for them and this is the next jet to leave Moscow <laughs> Yeah, so that was taken from 2014's Futurology, which followed on from Rewind the Film, which was more acoustic, more ballad uh, based, um, a kind of emotional outpouring and a kind of more, you know, um, I don't know, I don't want to use mature as a kind of disparaging thing, but reflective album. Mm. Um, This was the European album they'd always kind of threatened to make, um, and they would say it every couple of years, and then it would just sound like the Mannix. This time around, Futurology really did sound like um, a lot of their influences. Um, Krautrock, uh, the Berlin period of, you know, Bowie and Eno's work there. Um, and this is them kind of looking back again. Um, it's quite a forward-thinking record, so this is a bit of an outlier. But yeah, in terms of, terms of sonically, um, their post-punk influences, some ambient stuff. Uh, this is a European record all the way, and it's, it's a great listen. Okay, well, if that finishes our little retrospective here it probably provides a nice bridge uh, towards the new album because mm. uh i was reading last night somebody kind of making the argument the futurology sort of sat right around the 20th anniversary yeah. of um the holy bible and was around you know like an anniversary tour and stuff like that and probably sort of drew on uh, the kind of post-punk you know influences of 20 years ago this obviously comes in between the anniversary of Everything Must Go and This Is My Truth Tell Me Yours. Yeah. 
can we also call back a little bit to that period with uh, Resistance is Futile. Before we get directly to the album review, uh, first of all, I just want to say this listening guide stems from Craig and I having a conversation in a pub in Cork <laughs> and Craig being like, I'm going to get you into the Manics, they're fucking great. So I was like, well, let's do a listening guide. So I want to say, uh, excellent job. Oh, thank you very much. Uh, yeah. I thought that was great. And uh, I guess also, just uh, as a bit of a palate cleanser, um, did either of you happen to see Nicky Wire's uh, Irrational Hates List in Q Magazine. No, we have not seen this list. So there's seven things that Nicky Wire irrationally hates, and here they are. Number one is weirdly dressed men. Okay. Uh, he's a uh, weirdly dressed man, sorry. Um, his quote is, men in their 50s who wear fucking jumpers and brogues. Awful. It's anathema to me. Number two, <laughs> contemporaries who accept OBEs slash MBEs. Baffling on every level. Damon, Polly Harvey, uh, Polly Harvey, Armando Inucci, people I admire with the brain our age. Why? It's such a shit club to be a member of, full of rogues and despicables. I'd rather stab my eyeballs out with a sharp pencil than ever bow before the royal family. <laughs> Number three is lying actors. He says, actors in awful franchises, Avengers, X-Men, who have the gall to go and Graham Norton and say, the only reason I do this is because of the script. Calling us. That's why Richard Burton and Michael Caine were so great. I'm just doing it for the fucking money. Tell the truth. <laughs> Number four, variations on household taps. <laughs> From simple hot and cold to this cornucopia. It's the one thing where diversity hasn't worked. Number it's five, fair. films about explorers. People who had to fucking eat their own leg because they've been stupid enough to climb a mountain without any purpose whatsoever. They just can't cope with reality. It's pointless, like my own existence. <laughs> Number six, happy poetry. Worthless. Poetry can still be full of love, but has to come from a place of deep sorrow. And finally, at number seven, the cash-free society. When some wanker pays for their bill in Wagamama on their iPhone and it doesn't work, I have offered to pay with cash just out of spite. Yeah. So he's still got it. He's a legend, but yeah. But do the Manics still have it on this album? The album's called Resistance is Futile. Let's have a listen to one of the singles. This track is called Distant Colors. So, yeah, an anthemic sound, um, big feelings as well as kind of big themes and big tunes. Like I say, is there something uh, to be said for a nostalgic sort of viewpoint of this? Yeah, like where I I think maybe they're not exactly plugging back in with anniversaries in mind or just trying to capture um, a certain feeling. I definitely think they're going a bit more into what is now a bit of a default mode for them. Um, they've worked with Dave Ringa again, who has done most of their albums, um, but kind of actually the ones that he hasn't worked on so much or just contributed minimally have been the likes of Journal for Plague Lovers, uh, Futurology, the ones where they really mix up their sound. Uh, his kind of, you know, everything must go hallmarks are all over this. Yeah, I agree. Um, 
I think it's interesting that Nicky Wire, as we've talked about, is you know quite outspoken. Will always arrive a bit like, and he would hate this comparison, Bono, but will right. arrive with like their new album with a kind of a mission statement or a kind of like a tagline of like this is how we're selling the album. Here's what we're trying to do with this. Here's the storyline, yeah. um, and a lot of it will be like very. Um, you know like almost kind of uh, catastrophic things were happening um we finally found one song and that unlocked everything and it saved the band if we hadn't made this album we couldn't have continued or else yeah or else it will be you know the thing of like we finally made our european record or else there will have the kind of built-in narrative of using the kind of lyrics uh, from richie with this he's been talking about how in the run-up to it he didn't really think the band would continue but in a very kind of he was dealing with his own um, issues and I think family health problems with his parents sadly um, they were moving studio so there was a lot of like <laughs> he said like he turned into someone that was like checking the you know cost of steel because they were like building stuff and he was like it was like grand designs or something which was very mundane boring stuff and he was like I don't know if I have the energy to keep going and then he's talked about actually when they started making this, he was saying, well, you know, rewind the film. That was very personal stuff. I didn't really want to do that. I wanted to do some character studies. And it feels like it's a transitory period. There's no real mission statement with him or for, for him with this. And there's some lovely songs, but it's it's a testament to how, like, the ba- the quality of the band that this doesn't sound, like, worse. That this sounds good. Because, yeah. do you know what I mean? It is, it's a kind of... It feels like it's going to be one of those albums that, if they continue to make records, will be maybe a footnote. See, this is the thing. I, I mean, like, I'm not not a fan of the Manics. I just don't really. I never really fucked with them properly, and they didn't really draw me in. This is not the album to do so. Yeah, I mean, like no. this is this is almost a really bad thing to follow up the listening guide with because it's like, oh, like I I, I struggle to connect with this album on any level really, and I think at its worst, it sounds like fucking status quo. Like there are some <laughs> riffs here, like on Vivian. Like, I think you're giving too much credit to status quo in terms of what they're going to do on guitar. But I get your point because when that kicks in, I was like, this is very like soundtracking some Sunday afternoon ITV. I literally put down this is like something that the Top Gear team or whatever it's called now would probably enjoy in their dad jeans. And that disturbs me greatly. Yeah, 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 very much. It's a pity as well because the track after Dylan and Caitlin is probably one of the stronger on the album. And like you say, shows how kind of like a, a character piece Yeah, actually seems to suit quite well on this occasion. I felt as though... I mean, throughout this record, both obviously on something like Dylan Cayley, which is inspired by Dylan Thomas and, and, and his uh, wife, um, Caitlin McNamara. Yeah, it's a bit of a kind of fairy tale New York setup, isn't it? There's a little um, bit of that, yeah. yeah, 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 except with even more booze. But, <laughs> yeah, um, their marriage was destroyed by alcoholism, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But the tune doesn't really match. It's a, no, it doesn't. <laughs> but like, but 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 again, like we said earlier, Sometimes, that's kind of yeah, one of the yeah, things yeah, that you know that, that 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 makes this band work on many occasions. But like, there's always an eye to the past on this album. And some of it, to me, just feels a little bit too, just, you know, pointlessly nostalgic. Like, it's not even a really yearnful, you know, yearning for youth or whatever. It's just yeah, it's a bit of a... it's not idyllic. Like, it's kind of just a little bit, like, st- stuck. Yeah, like, and it's not even like, you know, we're getting really old. It's kind of like, we're getting somewhat middle-aged, you know. Yeah. Here I am. Yes, yeah, 49. People <laughs> people give in the uh, the opening track. I mean, like I think Bradfield's vocals are quite reedy. Like it doesn't inspire. Oh, like here's the album. It's like people kind of it's ba- the basic gist people of it tired. is like people, people get are old. tired. People are tired. Yeah. Well, it like, should be said as well if we're going to talk about weedy vocals. 
Uh, you mentioned Nicky getting yeah. involved. And it's actually and one, I think it's one of the stronger songs. Uh, I, I think it's the best thing he's sang on. Um, uh, but if you could call it yeah, singing, maybe, yeah. <laughs> maybe James should handle it. Maybe, I mean, I'm just, it's a bit just actually a great it tune. It's, it's just a contrast, though, isn't it? And there's it? some beautiful kind of, like, instrumentation to this. Uh, I don't know, the drummer Sean does a lot of kind of, of that, you know, synth work and stuff. And there's some gorgeous kind of soundscapes going on. It's all very tastefully done. <laughs> what was that? Yeah, but well, soundscapes, soundscapes not is not a great idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anymore, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, no, it's, it's not problematic. It's no, of, it was just the way he said it as Pat Butcher that threw me off, to be honest. I just think it's a ridiculous word. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, I, I think when they fully just give in to, do you know what, we're just going to write big, huge numbers that are great crack. Yeah. Like, International Blue is, you can just add that to the list of antenna. Really? Man- I, I, I think it's weak. It's brilliant. I think brilliant. it's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude. I think it's really good. And that state it's, is it's quote, a tribute to yeah. I, I, I said it before, like, I think it's all right. My main problem with it is that they said, like, well, this is the, like, sister track of Motorcycle Emptiness. And you're like, no, it's not. It's the, it's the sister track of the Sit Wales down. song that they wrote for Euros. That's, that's what it is. <laughs> well, like. I was going to make that point where Nick uh, Oh, been talking about Hang on, that didn't make the listening guide. <laughs> Fuck this. Together stronger. Yeah, like Nicky Warren was talking about how it's like, yeah, you know, you talk about the band that made the Holy Bible, but actually, do you know what? One of the my best memories of being a band was doing that whale song. And like, of course. And it's of like, course. there's there's two sides to the Manix. There's the kind of, you know, the artists that want to say things about society, and there's the entertainers that want to be absolutely massive. Lads, lads, and lads. That is the band you're getting on this, I think. Yeah, which yeah. is maybe doing a uh, disservice to a lot of the lyrics which do I mean like a song for example like Liverpool Revisited which is you know um, obviously very worthwhile subject matter um, it's handled tastefully but it's it's almost too close it's, it's about the kind of uh, Hillsborough disaster tragedy um, and the 96 and, the, and it's they've recorded songs about that before um, and the horrors of it and really tapped into that just awfulness this is much more celebratory about the justice that was served finally uh, thank god but it is verging musically it's very close to that Wales song <laughs> isn't it it's a it, bit like, little bit it's a yeah. bit on the nose it's a bit my issue, yeah, it's so on the yeah. nose that was my main issue here it was literally like the sun setting over the Mersey and you're like fucking come on yeah. mate that's why I think a song like International Blue and Hold Me Like Heaven which they've said are, were the two songs that everything else was built around or homie like like um like a heaven is basically just um your 80s antemic like emilio young emilio estevez would have dug this kind of thing it's um it glistens it glistens it's fun it's like a lot of surface but they do a fucking exceptionally well uh, i can get on board with that it's a standout track for sure i like yeah. the closer i'm a sucker for good closer and i think the left behind succeeds in what it's trying to do yeah in eternity has great verses it could have been something special and then they just seem to give up on the chorus there's yeah. flashes of brilliance throughout this but as i say it seems like they're just kind of like they don't know what to do next they've no narrative so they're, they just made a very place, competent yeah, album they're, they're kind like, of running yeah. in place and it's like this will fulfill a need it'll scratch an itch it'll give us more songs to play in a big arena and that kind of stuff it's totally fine but it didn't really draw me in it's a 5.5 uh, yeah yeah, I'd give it a six and a half for me, I think. I'll give it a seven because I love them so much. <laughs> in, in summary, though, you're probably better off diving into the older stuff in the listening guide uh, rather than going Or just reading Nicky Wire interviews. Right now. Yeah, to be fair, he's still a, he's still a very good value in an interview. There was yeah. a good one on Drowning Sound a few weeks ago, which is worth checking out. But when I talked to him, he went on about Ed Sheeran for about five minutes and was glorious. <laughs> it was did, brilliant. And you like it printed? Or? Yeah, it did, yeah. Okay. He was get, like, had a good few paragraphs about him giving out about his courses, just meaning nothing. <laughs> so it was great, yeah. <laughs> went no, to print, no, to it went fair, to print. To be fair, I think we can all 
agree that we need a Nicky Wire in the world. Yeah, very much so. sure. Yeah, one of the good guys and one of the good bands. Great bands. All right, uh, let's take a listen to some tracks that dropped this week. Craig, give me a number. Uh, number four, please. Number four is a new one from Zane. It's called Let Me. Sounds like this. For the rest of my life, for the rest of yours, for the rest of my life, for the rest of yours, for the rest of us, we're drinking the finest table. Dirty dancing on top of the table. You know, I had such high hopes for Zayn. I really did. And then he just keeps, coming apart keeps letting me down. Like, here's his fucking saccharine, sugar-sweet tribute to monogamy. What are you doing, mate? <laughs> when a sex song has a Dave reference hates to... Monogamy. Yeah, I don't to, hate monogamy. I search for monogamy. Vanilla ice cream. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this song is so vanilla, isn't it, guys? <laughs> isn't, it? isn't it so vanilla? <laughs> I think you're on something there, Craig. Yeah, I mean, like... <laughs> They're banking on his falsetto to win the day here because there's nothing else to this song, really, is there? It's yet again, I don't want to, like, inspire a lawsuit, but it's uh, it's sexual healing light yet again, <laughs> isn't it? That yeah. song is being fucking rinsed. Right <laughs> yeah. Um, the, w- the one good thing to come with this is that I didn't know up until today that uh, his fans are routinely referred to as the Squad. It's just Squad <laughs> with a Z. I thought they were called the Zaners. No, but it's Squad, which definitely sounds like an alien overlord from some bad sci-fi movie Look out it? It's Squad yeah. What could he possibly want Resistance is futile I'll tell you what he possibly wants He wants to talk about Just settling down <laughs> Getting into a nice little thing With your woman And being there for each other When it counts Which like it's all well and good But if you're trying to be This edgy new pop star What yeah. the fuck are you doing Well I think Yeah that song only works When it is an edgy pop star Or someone with a bit of danger Or like charisma about them Everything he says here where he's trying to convince her that he's going to be faithful and all that, you're just like, yeah, of course you are. You're just a nice bloke. Like, it's, <laughs> do, you, do you think... Do you, <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's not Frank Ocean. Like, yeah. Yeah. Do you think he has edge in his head? No, like, do you, like do, the, does he... The th- edge? No, does he think that, <laughs> like, you know, no, getting tattered up and doing his kind of, like, moody fashion shoots and stuff like that, that that gives yeah, him I that think, sort of dangerous side so that he thinks this is actually a contrast. I think he's fallen for his own hype, his yeah. own, his yeah. own yeah. press, yeah. because, I mean, when he first kind of stepped away from One Direction, and, like, yeah, as you say, like, you know, he's got, like, he's got tattoos on his hands, like, you know, uh, which, you know, you have to earn those, mate. But I'm not sure if he did. <laughs> so here's the thing, right? Uh... I, you want the best for this guy, but it's just not happening. I mean, I, th- I think his best track is It's You off that album that he put out, which is a very, like, bloated album, which really didn't quite connect. And he has interesting flashes where he kind of delves into the, the multicultural aspects of things and, like, you know, he, he's good with representation. But this is, as Craig said, like, this is the opposite of all of that. This is just the most generic pop song I've heard in a long time with, like, a 90s boy band chorus and the video in which, you know, like, he's always, like, having a big fight scene and, like, yeah. it's it's all part of this image, which I, I think he's... He's running out of, like, attempts to be interesting here. Yeah, I think it's not so much that he probably doesn't have interesting things to say. As you, like, say, if you, you know, he could delve into himself a bit more. But I think because of that falsetto, immediately the thinking is, oh, well, of course, he's an R&B lover man. Yeah, yeah. Which he is not. Like, he shouldn't, he could be doing much more interesting stuff with that voice. Um, he's done a lot of collaborations recently. I like the Sia one because it was just a Sia song. But it sounded like she was just, like, leading him by the hand and he seems a bit rudderless. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Because number, Dave? Uh, number one. Number one is Drake. It's called Nice For What? Had a man last year, life goes on. Haven't let the thing lose, girl, it's so long. You been inside, know you like to lay low. 
I've been people what you bring to the table. Working hard, girl, everything paid for. First, last phone, bill, car, no cable. With your phone out, gotta hit them angles. With your phone out, snapping like you fable. And you showing off, but it's alright. And you showing off, but it's alright. It's a short life. Say it, Craig. Say it. That's a fucking great song. Sound of the summer, right? <laughs> Sound of the summer, man. <laughs> yeah, this is awesome. Yeah, uh, this great. is great. I mean, he's really pil- he's pilfering from from from. He's very very smartly thieving here, and it works. Well, listen, I mean, smart thievery is Drake's, you know, Forte. modus operandi. Really, yeah, yeah. You should say that it's cleared thievery. It's a sample <laughs> <laughs> that Lauren Hill is cool with. <laughs> She's However, on stage with him. <laughs> However, this. Drake doing female empowerment. Give me a fucking break. Oh, you old like, cynic, you. Like, no, but like, come on, he's, <laughs> he's such... He's a nice guy. He's a whiny... <laughs> he's a whiny douchebag going back about a decade, and now he's just like, oh, this is like, I mean... Seriously, do you I'm think he's surpri- maybe tapping into a, a zeitgeist moment? I, I think he's chasing. He's, he's chasing quite a big trend. I think he's. I'm surprised he's not out of breath from running after the fucking bandwagon he's jumping on here. Like, but I think it's well executed. He might as well dress up in a hashtag Me Too T-shirt. Like it's. Well, we haven't seen the video yet. It's so maybe rubbish, like, or have we? Like, I mean, the, we the, have. Yeah, like the song. The song. Lots of different women. The song is fine. <laughs> oh, right. I mean, like you know, it's got the sort of bass drum that could make you soil yourself um it's probably not the intention no you'd have to presume not but it, it's there and like the, the beat is fine but beneath the surface i'm just not to be fair not my biggest criticism great. and complaint with drake is a lack of life and this is full of life so that's yeah, why i was like oh my god this yeah. actually works it's energized it's short it's sweet it's the sound of the summer <laughs> it is yeah i got caught up in it i think it's great and it's you know um there's a long history of Hip hop artist just again thieving from Lauren Hill because <laughs> she's exceptionally good and yeah, it goes by all falls down with Kanye and all sorts of stuff. There is a brilliant piece written on, I believe it was the New York Times this uh, this week, talking about sampling Lauren Hill. Oh, really? Yeah, just basically going from well, Drake and Cardi B having done, done in the past yes, week alone, yeah, yeah. kind of uses that as a jumping off point. Really worth checking out. I don't really buy Drake in general because I think he's like he's just so much of a this kind of thing like, like he operates within, within his own kind of sphere and like it's just like here's the new drag track he could bring out anything tomorrow and could sound totally different probably isn't going to make a difference so I guess because I always go with low expectations when, when he I just enjoyed it. this as a pop song and like by the end of it I was like like when, when he kind of doubles up on that vocal and like kind of uses it as like machine gun rhythm yeah that's great I was like yeah this is produced within, within an inch of its life and in quite a good way yeah it's all surface but it's good surface but I it, like I mean, okay, yeah. Like, like I say, it's it, it is good on the surface. Yeah, if you go any deeper than that, yeah, I don't know. It's I just Drake. Find it don't, so don't you don't go deeper. But but like when he's kind of yeah, jumping, crying in the shower when he's jumping <laughs> on these bandwagons. Like I don't know. Like I can see him writing a song about Cambridge Analytica if he thought it was going to get the hits next week. Like <laughs> seriously, yeah. I just think he's such a fucking like yeah. When he strikes gold, I, I, you are clearly don't think this is gold whatsoever. He's a Renaissance man. But I can kind of forgive him. <laughs> 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 I can can forgive him a lot when he's on this kind of form. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Alrighty, oh God, I said me too. Fuck's sake. Uh, another <laughs> definite bid for the song of the summer, uh, featuring. Oh, we're, not, we're not doing numbers anymore, no. Narrative is the winner tonight. <laughs> uh, featuring Dua Lipa, it's Calvin Harris with a new one. It's called One Kiss. Falling in love with me, possibilities. I'm 
Friend of Christian Tierney, Dua, Dua Lipa. <laughs> yeah. So like I say, yeah, we're coming towards the end of April, which means you have to have your song of the summer out before the Maybank holiday weekend. Not into this. Uh, no, not at all. Not into this at all. The, like, the, like The Calvin Harris revolution is long over. This reminds me, dead of, to me. <laughs> this, this reminds me of Rosie Gaines, Closer Than Close, if you can recall. Yeah. Except that came out in 1997. Sing it. I'm not going to. This is it. <laughs> There you go, Dave. I'm not singing. You're not getting me like that. I sang last night at the quiz. It, yeah, in a small room. We're on mics right now. Uh, I have a mic. And they, can, they might be able to hear me in the bedding shop downstairs <laughs> if this whole thing is reversing. Um, I hope it is. I never, never even thought of that. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, like her, like, her voice is unremarkable in general, mm. I find. <laughs> You're going to get in so much trouble. But is it not? <laughs> I mean, like, I she's think not she's exactly- like the best thing about her. Because the track itself is trash. The, tra- like, the track's useless. He sounds like he's knocked it up while he's waiting for his pizza to arrive. <laughs> it genuinely sounds like it's done on like a cheap keyboard as well. Like, it's it's freed from desire. It's that period. It's that like r- rubbishy kind of. I Euro, think we're on the same year yeah, here, so that Euro, works. Yeah, yeah the, that exact time period. Um, it's just so lackluster. Um, there's a bit of a kind of breakdown and something assembling, like uh, I don't know, an attempt to. Yeah. Oh, I, I mean, look, I can't it's going to finish the sentence. The thing is, it's well, like, it's probably, nothing's it, happening in the song. It's probably <laughs> going to be huge, nonetheless. Yeah. And I think I think that's what particularly annoys me here. Not that I'm ever one to kind of like begrudge success. I'm not, but at the same time, like I think we have a right to ask for a bit more. Yeah. And like, if somebody's going to try to sell us, you know, the sound of the summer, it's not unreasonable to ask that the sound is some summer other than 1997. Yeah, it was a good year. <laughs> it was a very good year. Speaking of uh, comebacks oh, no, from, from uh, times gone by, let's turn the clock back to 2008 <clears throat> with Friendly Fires. With you, it seems so wild to fight. It seems so wild to deny. So Friendly Fires, yeah, they're back, uh, inexplicably almost, because I think they kind of hit their peak quite a while ago. I know they've had some trouble, uh, a member of the band passed away a while ago, and so yeah, they're back, and they they got a track, this track's called Love Like Waves. I mean, like, they kind of peaked with, like, Paris and Skeleton Boy. They're never mm. going to write songs better than those, and look, I'm, I'm a sucker for those songs, and I'm a sucker for that time, because... That was when I got really into music. It was another good time, was it? Properly. It was. 2008 was actually a really good year. I, I, I enjoyed 2008 quite a bit. Yeah, right. A lot happened. If we're, if we're going in 11-year <laughs> gaps, then next year's going to be a cracker Can't for you, wait. Davey. Counting it down. Do you know what? I was 19 that year. Oh, you peaked. Oh, Craig oh, peaked. Okay, That's yeah. when I peaked, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, like, you would think that I would embrace this with open arms, but it 
just sounds pretty weak and kind of out of place. And Well, yeah, no, you said it, out of place. Like, it's actually a bit of a continuation from where they were yeah, very back much in 2011. So. I mean, like, this song as well has been knocking about since 2012 in one shape or another. Like, oh, has it? Well, there's been live videos of it being performed in 2012. It was never recorded or anything like that. <laughs> so it's like and obviously they stopped gigging shortly after that. But it's, their, it, it's their Radiohead nude, is it? Like, yeah, yeah, finally, we get it. Something along those lines. Like, But, you know, like, yeah, it does date back on a six or seven years, something like that. But, yeah, it is very much kind of just picking up from where they left off. The problem is that... In that seven years, not only have people kind of like caught up and surpassed what they're doing in the indie sphere or whatever, but like oh the indie sphere, I love it. But like they <laughs> no, but like the thing is, like they are doing that sort of tropical sound that's been co-opted by every pop producer on Death the planet to the synth marimba. I'm sick of it. Death right? to the synth I'm not. I'm that's sick of it. Title, so new, like fantastic. I can't. This reminds me oh, of that t-shirt. time, but that strain of music that was just like being played constantly in Top Man. Oh, yeah. Or Top Shop. Oh, you yeah. Know. Totally, yeah. Um, yeah. They, and they, the band were probably working in Top Man and then, do, you know, gigging these songs on the weekends. Yeah, you know, and they were kind of people. DJ in the corner would play music like this, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they feel, they always felt a bit to me like um, they arrived kind of after the Claxons. They were a bit like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, they're like a, 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 a B-movie folds or something to me. Yeah, like, they never, like, had the weight. They never really had... They're, they're yeah. not an album band. They're obviously a live band. Like, that's what they... That's their stock and trade. But it just sounds kind of sad now. Yeah. Like, it, there's nothing in this. Nothing at all. And, like, the more I listened to it, the more I was like, oh, for yeah, there, sake, there, shut there, up. There was <laughs> yeah. some level of originality to it, whatever it was, seven years ago, nine years ago, whatever you want. Now, no. But even, like, like this track starts and you get that, like, the, the rising vocal production thing, like, Wah. and I'm like, oh, God, I know exactly where we're going here. Yeah. Just listen to the Aeroplane remix of Paris. You'll thank me for it later. <laughs> Alrighty, finally this week, uh, Johnny Marr uh, is lining up his third solo album. It's called Call the Comet. Uh, that comes out in June. This is the first single from it. It's called The Tracers. There's a 54-year-old man with woo-woos. Um, <laughs> how do we feel about that? If Ric Flair can do it. Uh, yeah, this sounds like a, a track that m- m- would have been possibly a standout on that Black Rebel Motorcycle Club album that we did recently. I mean, okay. like, I'm not yeah. anticipating anything kind of revolutionary from Johnny Marr, and I'm always wary of kind of, you know, like, projects by someone who was never the frontman of their own band. But Johnny Marr obviously is a very versatile guy. He's worked with the likes of The Cribs and Modest Mouse and Hans Zimmer and all yeah. these kind of people. So he's earned his fucking right to step on his own and do his own thing, which he's been doing for a while now. And I mean, I enjoyed the pace of this. I enjoyed it. Yeah, like, like it sounds, it sounds like a chase. It sounds like a chase sequence from a movie. Uh, it's got it's got a bit of danger to it. It's got a good atmosphere. And he's kind of at the forefront. And I think, you know, it's effective. Yeah, I think of all the collaborators that you mentioned there, it's funny, but like, yeah, the likes of Zimmer would probably be the most obvious in that it kind of does sound like soundtrack work in a way especially how the Gary of, Newman in this as well yeah well just like the drum rolls and that kind of beefy bass line yeah kind of like really give it a sense of urgency I guess it reminded me kind of of like Joy Division when they were going for it 
Yeah. Um, and some of the guitars kind of had, you know, shards of echo in the Bunny Man. This is um, a bit of a concept record, apparently. Uh, he's getting quite political. Um, as he has done in the past, I think he just kind of holed up in a very dark studio in a very kind of miserable Manchester and just spent a year just kind of going hammer and tongs to this and trying to really make something that was of a piece and chiming with the times. Um, I like his voice on this. It's kind of like intonations. It's something I haven't quite heard him do before. He, he doesn't have the strongest voice of all time, but for, you know, a long time, just, you know, you know, sideman slash guitar, you know, amazing guitarist for hire. Um, it's quite competent. It's kind of like... A lo- most of his solo stuff I very much enjoy it but I'm never blown away by it but anytime it comes on wouldn't turn it off I'll give the record a spin uh, adore Johnny Marr obviously um, and yeah it's it's a nice tune yeah it does the job so other listening uh, I didn't have a lot of time to listen to other stuff this week because one of the rounds I did at that quiz was an audio round so I was doing all kinds of yeah. clips and stuff Digging your own hole in terms of doing editing for this podcast from now on, mate. Yeah, very much so. Well, I didn't do a great job with the editing, though, so it's fine. Uh, anyway, uh, I have been listening to Lost Under Heaven's album again, because I went back to that on the back of their new single that came out a while ago. I wasn't on the week that that came out, and I love the track, I love the band, and I think the album's really, really good. It holds up. Uh, you could lose a couple of tracks here and there, but overall, I think it's an excellent debut. And I've been listening to the forthcoming De Laurentiis record, True Surrender, which drops at the end of this month. And they will be in the studio here next week. Next week. Excellent. Coming in for a chat. Cool. Awesome. Uh, I listened to quite a bit this week, but frankly, I never listened to any of them more than once. Uh, so so I, I, I'm hesitant to give say too much, but uh, Cardi B, uh, her f- first full-length 8.7 on Pitchfork. What? 8.7. I, I ain't having that. It's better than I was expecting, but I'm still not really seeing what all the hype is. Uh, Unknown Mortal Orchestra brought out their record, yeah, Sex and Food. I think they put it this way, they go from one extreme to the other here, and I'm not sure either of them fully work somewhere in the middle, however, they do hit a purple patch. It's quite heavy going, like, yeah, yeah. it's interesting, um, uh, you know, at a big remove from multi-love and the kind of that direction of things, so uh, I haven't given enough listens to really form an opinion because it's quite an involved listen oh, for this record. Oh, very much so, um, yeah, some, it runs nice the gamut, there, yeah. like, yeah, yeah, I mean, we talked about one of the singles and we said, like, that this was kind of like, you know, really over the top etc the other single they released before the record was really kind of dialed back really chilled out tune yeah, yeah. and uh, yeah it turns out that they do everything in between as well so um, yeah gonna gonna give that more of a go and Daphne and Celeste Save the World on Dave's recommendation from what last you think? week what do you think mad as a box of frogs isn't it absolutely love it but it's really good I love it I love it am I gonna have to listen to it yeah. for next week because so you yeah, can yeah, just yeah, keep yeah. mentioning them every week <laughs> yeah. until they come on the yeah. show <laughs> so our, our charm offensive is uh, continuing but no it's a really good pop album awesome I'll check in it out in a time when there's bit of a Darth of good pop albums, yeah. really. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm glad it's out there. So, uh, thanks, guys. Thank Cheers, you. Brother. That was the show. Uh, closing set as always. New Irish music. Melty Brains are back. They're one of Ireland's most innovative and strange acts, I would say. They brought out a track called Horizon, kind of dropped out of nowhere, and it's really odd. It's quite edgy and dangerous and cool and funky and fun and weird and strange, and I like it quite a lot. So that's going to take Exit Music Honours. My name is David William Hanrady. This has been No Encore. There will be No Encore. And here's Melty Brains with Horizon.
podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Celebrate this July 4th with a special presentation of a Capital Fourth. Join your host, Vanessa Williams, with performances from Sea to Shining Sea, starring Jimmy Buffett, Gladys Knight, Alan Jackson, Cynthia Erivo, Pentatonix, Renee Fleming, Train, Jennifer Nettles, Mickey Guyton, Jimmy Allen, Ali'i Cravalho, Laura Osnes, Ali Stroker, and the greatest live fireworks display in the USA. It's a Capital Fourth, sponsored by the Boeing Company and American Airlines, Sunday, July 4th, 8, 7 Central. Only on PBS. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.